0: Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Hook, Line, and Sinker. A lot takes place before a fisherman makes his first cast. And much like fishing, Christians must be equipped with the right tools to share the gospel and to make fishers of men. Our prayer is that you understand what those tools are and that you have the boldness to share what Jesus has done in your own life. Good morning. Everybody good? It's been funny at both services, you can tell people are completely confused as to whether or not they should clap for the Beatles in church or not clap. And it's like, we think that's okay, we're not really sure. And so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we worked really hard um, to put a little bit of that stuff together this week, uh, the Beatles song, um, but also all of the videos um, going from really current uh, with Selena Gomez all the way back to the Beatles. And uh, the reason we did that and the reason we want to do that is, and, and hopefully you've seen this as you walked in today, that the theme of today, the, the thing we want to talk about today, the thing we hope you walk out of here with a better understanding of today is love. Um, and, and, and we're doing everything we can to get that planted into your head. And, and that's the reason we want to play these songs and also so that we could look at it and really look at what is love? I mean, is that our definition of love, right? The love that we, we just saw portrayed and some of you like some of those may be your favorite songs. I'm not saying like you go to hell for like in any of those songs. What I'm saying, though, is it's a pretty shallow definition of love when you begin to understand really what love is. And, and people have been trying to define it for years. We've tried to wrap our mind around it for thousands of years. Um, since the creation of the world, we've tried to be, we have tried to, to grasp it. And, uh, I believe, uh, apart from God, it's really impossible to be able to grasp His love and what real love really is. And so we're going to look at that today. What I want to do first is I want to pray for us and ask that God really begins to move in our hearts that he speaks to our hearts today about love and and I believe this and I know this for a fact because I know many of you and I know myself that many of us have walls that have been built through the experiences of our life that keep us from receiving love not only love from God but also love from other people And, and my prayer is today that God would begin to tear down those walls as we begin to see his love for us and that we would be able to receive and live out of and rely on and trust in the love that God's given us so let's pray. We're going to jump in and just uh, believe in that God's going to do incredible things. Lord, we thank you for today and the opportunity we have to worship you, Lord. The giver of love. God, we thank you that um, your love surpasses our understanding. That it's so deep and so wide, so vast, so amazing. That we will never tire of singing of it. We'll never explore it fully and completely comprehend it. Thank you for the journey that we're on discovering more of who you are as this great God of love who's given us his love through Jesus. I pray you'll work through your word that as we interact with it, it will interact with us and change our hearts and lives. That We can bring you glory in Jesus name. Amen. And as you look at those songs, as you listen to those songs, um, you begin to hear people talk about what love is. They begin to try to describe love. And, and you've got to admit, like the, the song we sang, that all you need is love, the only reason that song was popular is because the Beatles sang it. Right? That's not that great of a song, is it? And some of you are like, no, the Beatles sang it. How many of you are actually alive when the Beatles sang that song? Here's another common trend. There's only been about one person in every service that's been proud of the fact that they were alive when the Beatles sang that song. There's always like one person like, woo, and then everybody else is like this. Yeah, you because know, they don't want to they don't want to raise their hand and say they were alive um, and, and, and give, I guess, give away their age. But the reality of it is like the, the, that song's not even that great. It, it, it's kind of just meh. You know what I'm saying? is a never all I you need is love and it's kind of over and over it's not even that great of a song the Beatles sang it make it make it popular and, and people try to define love we try to wrap our minds around it we try to understand it thousands of years and I believe the reason that people do that and why we do that why we grasp at love why we try to find love why we try to understand love is because we were created for love we were created to receive it and we were also created to give it And as a church, I think it's really important for us to begin to understand love and begin to understand specifically God's love because it's his love that I believe is the greatest bait that we have for evangelism. We're in this series called hook, line and sinker. And we're talking about how do we bring people to Christ? How does God draw people to himself? What is it that he uses? We talked about making a cast and sharing the gospel today. We're looking at the bait. What is the bait that people are drawn to? I believe it is love. I believe it is the grace of god that comes out of his love because every one of us have within us this desire to love and to be loved and some people here right now you would say i don't need that and you're lying especially guys because every time i preach about love it kind of feels sappy right it kind of feels like the hallmark channel you know what i'm saying any girls you like the hallmark channel Raise your hand. You watch those movies? Yeah. Guys, you like the Hallmark Channel? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Don't. And we start thinking about love and we're like, I don't need that. It's just mushy. It's just sappy. And I would tell you that that's not love at all. Love put um, the son of God on a cross. He died for us. He not only took the the nails and, and the crown of thorns and the beating that he took, but he also took the sin of God upon himself and the wrath of God upon himself. And he did that because of love. I would tell you this. Many of us don't really like the mushy kind of love that, that we would think of from the Hallmark Channel. Susan turns the Hallmark Channel on. I go to another room because I'm like, every movie turns out the same way. There's always the lady who thinks she'll never find Mr. Wright. And there's always Mr. Wright who comes in, but he's kind of coming in under radar. And so you never, Suspect that he might be the one unless you've seen one of the other 2,000 movies that they play on that channel. And you begin to realize, like, they're going to get married and everything's going to be happy ever after. And the 18 kids she has, like, he's going to adopt. It's going to be perfect. And so we know it before it ever happens. And so I just, I don't care for that. But what I do care for is this realization that love is not for sissies. Love is not for wimps. Love is... For everyone, Love is something that we all need. It is something that God created us to have a desire for. It's something that is attractive to people. The thing I've realized about church is people aren't really attracted to legalism, are they? You need to do this. You need to do that. Typically, we come to faith in Christ because we're offered grace. And once we come to faith in Jesus through grace, people give us a big Bible. Not a little, a big one. It's like, you need to do this. And so we come like in this relationship of love and grace, and then all of a sudden it's like people go, all right, now be perfect. And pretty soon, after about six months, nine months, 12 months, I don't know, some of you may outlast it a little longer than that, we get this point where it's not really any fun anymore to be in a relationship with Jesus because we've gone from a relationship with Jesus that's birthed out of love and grace into this thing called legalism in which we simply try to obey rules apart from any relationship with Christ. And it's not attractive. Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. How many of you can go anywhere and find rules? Right? Yeah. You can go to to Walmart and find rules. You take your shirt off and start running around Walmart, you will be escorted out. Right? You can go to school and find rules. You can go to work and find rules. Every one of you, when you leave this building today, you're going to walk out of here, get in your car, and you're going to do what? Obey rules. It's all around us. But the reality of it is that we can find that anywhere. But love is only found one place. It's found in God. He is the foundation of love. He teaches us what love is. And as a church, we need to rely on and live in that love, walking in that love. So not only have we received it, but we can give it to other people. This whole series has been geared around this mindset of being fishers of men, about how do we go out and and cast the gospel into the world and see God bring people into a relationship with himself. And we talked about a lot of things. But I believe that love is the bait. Um, and, And the other day, I told you last Sunday, I thought I'd get to go fishing on Monday. I did get to go fishing on Monday. And it was awesome, one of the best days of fishing I've ever had. And we went to a pond and we caught so many fish that from setting the hook, I have a bruise on my belly. And from reeling in the fish, it was unbelievable. And, and I would show you, but I don't, you don't want to see my belly. And so you go blind or turn to stone, it would be terrible. And so, but we were fishing, and, and here's the thing that I realized. That there were, the fish were hitting one particular type of bait. It wasn't a bait that I thought was attractive. It wasn't a bait that I would have eaten. You put a hook in a steak, I'd probably bite that. But this bait was, it was a, a worm, a plastic worm about this long, and it was pink, And I have no idea why any any fish would want to eat that worm. But it was like, man, it was like candy to the fish. They were hitting it. They were biting. We were catching so many fish. We throw something else out there. We might catch a few. But I realized that there was something about this one bait that was so attractive to these fish, they could not resist it. And we were just catching fish after fish after fish. And I began to think about that in terms of God's love and the bait that we have as Christians. And I began to realize, you know, love is a powerful bait. Love is a powerful, attractive bait for people who are far. From God, because they realize and they recognize within themselves, and many of them have spent year after year after year, day after day after day, trying to find love in all the wrong places. And when they finally begin to realize what real love is, it's really irresistible. The reason the song Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing, is popular is because it's true, right? There's not a person in this room that you couldn't identify with that song in some way. Looking for love. In all the wrong places. You've looked and looked and looked and didn't find it. And the only reason, the main reason, the reason, is because it's only found in God. We go into the world and it's so countercultural to the reality of God's love that He freely gives to us. People can go anywhere and find rules, there's only one place they can go and find what love really is, and that's in, to God through Jesus. We need to be offering that to people. People can go anywhere and be judged for their appearance. People can go anywhere and be judged for not being good enough. People can go anywhere and be told they don't measure up. People can go anywhere and be told there's no hope. People can go anywhere and be told that, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. But that shouldn't be the church. Church should be the greatest hope in the world. I believe it is the greatest hope in the world. And I believe we're told and called and equipped to share the greatest news in the world. And that is God loves us and has given his son for us, that we can come into a relationship with him. I look at that and I think about if the bait is love, is it any wonder that people aren't flocking to churches? I mean, let's be realistic. If we've had experiences in church before, uh, how many of you would say that the thing you walked away with the most was man, God loves me. God wants a relationship with me. God's love is life-changing. Is it any wonder? I believe we've got to come to this place where we're relying on and living in God's love in such a way that it permeates everything that we are and everything that we do and that it's there for other people to see and experience and be a part of. That the church would become more known for the love of God and the life-changing power of that love than for judgment and for hypocrisy. What an awesome thing. What an awesome bait for the world to see. I believe this with all my heart that every person in here has a desire, has a need, has a longing for love and to be loved. Believe that with everything in me. And I'll tell you this, the one who says I don't need that, you're probably crumbling on the inside more than anyone else. And I pray that those walls would fall down. I pray that you would experience who he is. I pray that today, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, you receive his love. You receive his grace. You receive his power. Love's attractive. If we can share it with people, believe they'll come to know Christ. But here's the problem, and here's where I want to spend the rest of our time looking at. Here's the problem. You can't give what you don't have, can you? that's pretty logical it's biblical it's practical it's experiential we've all experienced that if i ask most of you give me a hundred dollar bill you can't you're like me you don't have it right it's not there you can't give what you don't have in scripture we see peter and john one day going to the temple And they're going up to worship and there's a guy begging for alms he's begging for anything they can give him some money give me something and Peter looks at him he says silver and gold I have none but what I have I give to you in other words I don't have any silver and gold but what I do have is the power of God Peter commands him to get up the man was lame in his feet he begins to walk he gave out of what he had and that's the only thing that you and I can do is give out of what we have but if we haven't received something we can't give it and for many of us we either have not received the love of God or we're not consistently receiving the love of God in such a way that we can give it. Because we simply can't give what we don't have. And yet the Bible tells us that that is what we're called to do, is to give Love. So the question I want to ask you, and the question I want to spend the rest of our time answering is how do we receive God's love? How do we receive this love that, that, that the Bible promises is so real, but maybe so far from so many of us experientially. And the first thing I want to tell you is this, that you have to know what love is. You have to know what love is. I want to read the scripture to you. It's in first Corinthians chapter 13. And I want you to think about this in light of what we just saw in light of the 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 description of love that we watched in the videos and the description of love we heard in the songs i want you to listen to this description of love this is what paul writes first corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 if i speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. When do we think about that scripture most of the time? At weddings. Did a wedding yesterday. It always works its way in there somehow. But I don't believe Paul wrote that to give us something to use at weddings. I believe Paul wrote that to show us the greatest gift that God's ever given is his love and to show us the reality of what that love looks like. I believe Paul in first Corinthians 13 would have us look at that and go, don't buy into the lie that the world tells you of what love is, but believe in God's word and see the depth and the width and the power that is in this love. Listen to how permanent it is. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always protects. It always perseveres. Love never fails and that is the love of God do we know love that way because I know for every person in this room your experience has told you that that's not what love is that love is something other that love has failed that love isn't always trustworthy that love doesn't always contain hope that love doesn't always persevere And when we look into God's word and we see the truth, we see that true love is those things. We see that God is those things. You can replace the word love with God and you begin to get a clear picture of God. You begin to see it. And I will tell you this, love is not God. Love in and of itself is not a God. That's why the Beatles song can't be true because you don't just need love, you need God. And God is not just love. There's more things to God. There's more attributes to God than just love. But the reality is that God is love. And if God is something in, in in any part, then He is that in totality. He is completely love. So that everything He does is done out of love. He, he can't deny Himself. So love is just a part of every action that God has. And it is in God that we see what love is. He tells us what love is. But even more than that, the Bible and, and Jesus shows us what love is. It wasn't enough for God just to say, this is a description of love. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus was the express image of God. Some translations will say that he was the exact radiance of his glory, that he was a perfect model of who God is, what God's about, how God loves. And so God sends his son into the world. God himself comes and he begins to show us what love is. What a powerful illustration of love when we see that Jesus lays down his life to see that he loves unlovable people, that he goes to the least of the least and says, I love you and I'll bring you into a relationship with me. What an amazing definition of love that God wasn't content just to tell us, but he demonstrated his love for us through his son. I love you that much. Sometimes it's hard for us to get our mind around things. And I learned this coaching 10-year-old baseball as much as anything. It's a great and fun um, thing to do, but it will also test your patience and sanity like nothing else. And and we'll be out there talking, and and I'm like, all right, guys, this is what we need to do. We need to fill ground balls out in front of us. Get your glove in front of you, and they'll miss a ground ball. I'm like, this is why you missed that ground ball. You had your glove behind you. Get your glove out in front. Catch it in front. And I'll say, do you understand? And they'll do this next ground ball. They catch it. Try to catch it back here. It hits off their glove. It hits off their chest. It hits off their teeth. It hits somewhere and they don't catch it. And so I said, listen, guys, here's the reality. You've got to get the glove in front, head down. Do you understand? What do they do the next time? The same thing. And finally, the other day I had this revelation. They're not getting it. And so I went over, picked up my glove and I said, okay guys, watch me. I'm 37. I get to be 10 again. It is awesome. And so I go out there. I'm like, hit me a ground ball. There's a lot of pressure when you got 12, 10 year olds watching and you're going to demonstrate the proper way to do something. And they're all hoping you mess up so that you can, they can then make fun of you and tell you you don't know how to do it either. And so the ball comes, I get it, you know, make the throw. I'm like, that's how you do it. And it was an attempt, it was an effort for me to help them understand something by showing them that they simply weren't able to compute by me just telling them. And you know, it began to work. They began to see it. We saw some improvement and I believe that's what happens with God. God tried to tell people for thousands and thousands of years, this is who I am. And he has this progressive revelation of who he is through scripture from the creation all the way through to the culmination of Jesus coming into the earth. But when Jesus was born, it was God saying, I've been telling you, Now I'm going to show you the full extent of my love. And if you'll simply look at Jesus, look at my son, you can see in him the fullness of who I am, including my incredible and amazing love for you. But so many times our experience begins to try to tell us something different. The first one I'm telling you is that you have to know what love is. You have to have an accurate picture of what love is, we have to realize that the world's shallow definitions of love do not compare to the true reality of God's love for us. The second one is this, that you have to know love's source. Listen to 1 John uh, chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Basically what John's saying, and he says this throughout 1 John, is if you don't know God, you can't know love. So we have to recognize, number two, the source of love. We have to know its source if we're going to experience it. If we don't know God, we can't know love. I think it's amazing That 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched between 12 and 14, which is logical. And then, but both of those chapters, 12 and 14, are about gifts that God gives. And Paul says, but listen, this is what you have to understand this gift of love. Is the best gift God's given. You can speak in tongues. You can have all kinds of gifts of prophecy. You can even give your body to be sacrificed in flames for the glory of God. But if you don't have love, you're just a resounding gong a cymbal. You're out of tune. Without love, you have nothing. And he's emphasizing this point that only God can give this gift. This is the greatest gift he's ever given. And this concept of God's love is so foreign to every other worldview, every other ideology, every other thing that we're surrounded by. There's no religion in the world that says that God would come and and offer a relationship to us freely. Every pagan religion tells us this, that if you'll make sacrifices, maybe you can have a relationship with God. No one would have ever thought that God would make a sacrifice so we could have a relationship with Him. That's what God did. But do you know how many Christians spend day after day after day not living in the fullness and joy of God's love and being transformed by His love, but still trying to make sacrifice after sacrifice to earn the love of God and to please Him? The third one I would tell you if we're going to receive God's love, love must be offered. 1 John, John 4, 9 and 10 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, made atonement. He died for our sins. God says, This is love. And we see that. We can't receive love until love's been offered. I'm sure some of you, when you were um, in elementary school, middle school, high school, I don't know at what time your hormones kicked on and you started noticing people you of know, the, the opposite sex and you started thinking, all right, man, this is good. I like her last week. She was gross this week. I need one of those. And, and you started noticing those things and you wrote the little note. You know the note I'm talking about? I like you. Do you like me? Check yes, no, or maybe. I don't think I ever got one of those positive returns maybe a maybe that's about it but 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 people have to be able or have to be willing to offer us love if we're going to receive it the same thing with god if we're not offered love we can't receive it the good news of the gospel is that god's offered his love to us freely he gave his son freely so all we have to do is receive by faith what he's done for us If you've been around this church very long, there's things you know about me. There's things that as we've talked and as we've gone through different messages, you've learned about me. Some of you know me for a long time, so you knew me that way. Others of you, you walked in here, you had no idea who I was. You're like, who is this crazy dude? And, And so, but you begin to learn things just because we have conversations, we talk. For instance, you know some things about me if you've been around. Which do I prefer, dogs or cats? Dogs, right? Here's another question. What type of snake do I like? None. There was actually two possible answers to that question. One was none. The other is dead. So you could answer that either way. Next one. Would I seriously consider harming someone over a large fry? Absolutely. You get between me and and a large French fry and somebody's probably getting... I, I would consider it. The last one. Am I competitive at Little League Baseball? Absolutely. Yes. Most of my time repenting is spent repenting over Little League Baseball. Ask the umpire in Sylvania from yesterday. Had to repent. I got to find his number. I got to call him. Got to get this right. But you've learned some things. About me, you've learned, but how did you learn those things? Because I've told you, because I've shared them. I mean, I could come in and do three points in a poem. I could do that, but I'm gonna share life, whether it's in a connect group, eight to 10 people, or whether it's in an auditorium where some days there may be 800 to 1,000 people. Here's the reality. We're called to share life together. You know those things because I've shared my life with you. It's the same with God. If God didn't want us to know his love, if he chose not to share life with us, not to give us life, we couldn't know it we couldn't come to life he couldn't take us from death to life and here's the reality we would not know what love is if he chose not to offer it to us the good news is he has revealed it through his son jesus the good news is he has offered it to us so it is available that's incredible news that it's been offered we don't have to wake up every morning and go god would you like a relationship with me check yes no or maybe he's already stated it in not just in the written word, but in the demonstration of his love when he put his son on a cross for us. His love has been offered. But here's the thing, and here's the hard part, and, and you would think it's easy, but I guarantee you pretty much every person in here struggles with this in some way. I've been doing this now long enough. I've been living in my own skin long enough to realize I believe every person in here struggles with it. If it's been offered and love is put out there for us, what's the only thing left to do? Receive it. But I guarantee you, every person in here in some way, you struggle receiving love. You struggle receiving affirmation from other people. I'm built the same way. If somebody tries to affirm me, they try to give me a compliment, the first thing I think is, what are they really thinking? Right? What are they really thinking? What do they need? What do they want? Many of you walk around day by day thinking, those people, yeah, I believe they love me, but the reason they love me is because of what I do and not who I am. And the moment I stop doing what they want me to do, they'll stop loving me. And we walk around with that weight and that guilt and that fear. If I don't measure up somehow, I'm not going to be loved. And so we have this struggle of receiving God's love. And the truth is, though, listen, the truth is that until God's truth, the big T, the word of God, and his love for us that this describes trumps our experience, we will never live in it continually. Did y'all hear that? Did you get that? Because that's important. Then until this and God's description of love and his love for us begins to be the big T in our life, this ultimate truth in our life that trumps what our experience says we will never live in the love of God continually. Real quick, as we get close to closing this out, I want to give you just three quick things that I want to tell you. I believe in this room, there are so many people here that deal with this that keeps you from receiving god's love the first one is this to receive god's love means that you have to surrender to the fact that you can't earn what god has already freely given that you surrender to the fact that you can't earn what god has already freely given this is what i know people in here today, your experience has taught you that if you don't earn it, you won't receive it. Amen. If you go to work tomorrow and you don't do your job, will you get paid? No, you will get fired. And your experience has taught you this and it's such a a, an interesting thing because in the world we're told you've got to earn it. And that is reality. My children, I want them to know I love you. Your daddy loves you and God loves you no matter what, whether you get a hit, whether you strike out, whether you do well or whatever. But at some point in your life, you've got to get a job and in that job you've got to perform or you won't have that job very long and you will be living with me for the rest of your life and that cannot happen. And so there's this reality that in the world we're told you've got to earn it. You've got to earn it. What you do is, is dependent upon what you receive. And then we transition over into this God of grace and love who says, I'm just giving it to you. It's so hard for our minds to compute that. And so for so many of us, we've been taught in our experience that if you don't earn it, you can't receive it. We see that for so many people that our parents' approval and, and love was determined by our performance. It was determined by what grade you got. It was determined by how many hits you got. It was determined by, by how well you performed at life. They were pleased or they were, they were, they were loving or, or they showed you love if you performed, but when you didn't, they withheld love and it became a manipulative tool to get you to do what they wanted you to do. And it creates a wound and it creates a lie in our hearts that tells us that God's love can only be earned. We take those experiences and we transpose them onto his character. And it gives us an inaccurate picture. For Some of you, your spouse has told you you're not good enough. You've been told repeatedly. You don't measure up to their standards. You've been told over and over again. And here's the reality, you've tried and tried to make your performance good enough. But every time you try, you fall short. And their expectations never seem to be met. And love is withheld. And here's the reality, until their heart changes and there's some type of intervention in their heart and in their life, it's going to happen again. We take that experience and it makes us see ourselves in a light that we can't possibly, simply freely be loved by God for some you've lost a job for some you you didn't get a promotion for some you got hit whacked upside the head out of the blue by some unexpected um, something to do with your employment and then you took that and you began to look at it and it began to become a part of your identity and you began to think maybe this really is who I am maybe I don't measure up maybe something's wrong with me For some of you, you didn't make a team, you didn't get in the right fraternity, you didn't get in the right sorority, or you didn't get accepted to the right school. That began to be a part of your identity. Once again, you don't feel as if you measured up and you're disqualified for the love of God. For some of you, you don't have the right clothes, you don't drive the right car, you don't have the right boyfriend, girlfriend. Whatever it may be, you're not in the right social status, you're not in the right clique. Whatever it may be, that begins to tell us that we're not good enough. Somehow, we don't measure up. Yeah, God just says, I love you. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. I simply love you. Here's the crazy thing about this, guys. As a church, we're oftentimes scared to tell people that. God's love is unconditional. George Strait got it right. Our love is unconditional. Okay. <laughs> and but it is, and we're afraid to tell people that it is because then we're afraid if we don't withhold this, that love, if we don't manipulate that love, if we don't manipulate people with love, then they won't do what they're supposed to do. And this is a lie that's told in the church all the time. And the lie goes something like this, if I want to be loved, I must live godly. If I want God to love me, I must live godly. But the truth is that if I want to live godly, I must be loved. It's the exact opposite of what we so often think of. We were praying at 8.30 this morning. We pray before the services and, and we have people who every week lay hands on me, pray for me, pray for the message, pray for the service. And we're praying and one of our prayer team members said something that was awesome. I may have to preach a whole message on this one day. But he said, God, I pray that today you would spread your love on our hearts like butter. I was like, one, I'm hungry. But two, man, what an awesome picture. And we think somehow if we, Just trust in his love. We live in his love and rely on his love that we won't live godly when the exact opposite is true. If we'll allow him to spread his love throughout our lives, we rely on and live in his love, we begin to live a life that is far more godly than anything we could have produced through our own efforts. Isn't that the point of Jesus that we couldn't ever get it right so he had to get it right for us? Then how could we ever think we could get it right apart from him? God's love's covered your past. God's love is covering your present and God's love has already covered the challenges you're going to face in the future through the redemption of his son. As he died on a cross for us. We can trust and live in that love. We've got to realize we can't earn what he's already freely given. For some of you, the second thing I would tell you, you can't receive love because you think it's too good to be true. How many of you have learned in life that if somebody offers you something that's too good to be true it probably is right very few times do you get the phone call hey you've won a trip and you're like yes like nobody goes and packs their suitcases when you get that phone call right or you get the email like you've won you delete it why it's too good to be true it's not true We come into a relationship with God looking at it the same way. And our experiences have taught us this. For some of us, our parents walked out when we were young. And so we get to this place where we think that God's love is the same way. Eventually, He's going to walk out. Eventually, it's going to happen. This love He's offering me is too good to be true. We get to a place in marriage where we we, we come into it with this mindset that it's going to be awesome and that they're going to stay with me forever and they're never going to leave. And then one day, they leave. Marriage turns out not to be what we thought it was gonna be. We begin to believe a lie about love because of our experiences with other people. I I did a wedding yesterday and weddings are always awesome to be a part of. You get to see two people loving each other, and you know they're always so giddy, they stand there holding each other, you know, they're just always so happy, and everybody's watching them and, and, and they're so in love. But how about if you fast forward that five years later? How different would that scene be? And not big things, but just little things. Like the wife walks in and the husband didn't replace the empty toilet paper roll again, right? Or, you know, just little things that annoy you. She picks up the underwear for the 900, 900 and thousandth, whatever time. I don't know. That's not even a number. But you get the point. Or. You know, just little things that begin to get on your nerves. Sometimes there's big things. And love, it just turns out to not be what we expected it to be. And we begin to take that and we begin to see it in a different way. And our experience tells us that God's love is too good to be true. It can't possibly be true. Can it possibly be all those things he described it to be in 1 Corinthians 13, so permanent, so, um, so hopeful, so faithful, so true? Can it possibly be? When our experience tells us something different. For some of us, and I realize this is very difficult, but for some of us, the person we love the most hurt us the most. Maybe when we were a child, maybe the person we put the most trust in hurt us so deeply, we think we could never recover. And yet the reality of God is that His love is constant. His love is true. I was thinking about all of these things and the heaviness of them and scripture came to mind it's romans 5 8 it says even while we were sinners or while we were yet sinners christ died for us and in that god has shown us his love he's given us his he, he has proved it to us through christ while we were sinners it means while you were struggling while you were hurting while you were going through what you were going through you were loved and it's so hard for us to fathom that it's so hard for us to realize that God loves us in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, that God loves us. I was reminded of this about two weeks ago when my dad had a brain hemorrhage. We're standing in East Georgia in the emergency room. He can't even see. And I'm looking there and I'm sitting there thinking about this. I'm like, God, is this really how this is going to go? Seven years ago tomorrow, he had a motorcycle wreck. He changed his life, changed our lives forever. And we began, and I've had times of questioning. I've had times of wondering, God, what are you doing? But as I stood there, and I can tell you through everything, as I stood there, a pastor of a church, watching my dad go through this, about to be air vac for the second time down to Savannah. And, and I'm watching all of this take place and I'm watching all of this happen my thought was not glory to God in the highest my thought was where are you God this love is so true where are you now and I can tell you if you go back and you read my journals from that week that we were down there in the hospital you'd probably be like he doesn't need to be up there it was hard And there's still questions that I have that aren't answered. Still walking through that every day. And yet I can tell you as I look back over the last seven years, as much as they've sucked at times, as hard as they've been, the one thing that's been constant is the love of God. It has not failed. It will not fail. And as we sing, when we've been there 10,000 years, there will be a day that we sing of God's glory and that everything will be healed and that we will be whole, whole and that those who are in Christ will rejoice with everlasting singing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His love is true and it is real, and it is unfailing. in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your struggles, his love is there in the midst of the thing that you think can't be overcome, his love is there. and when you begin to see that love for you and it begins to change your heart, and you begin to look at yourself not through the eyes of the world or through your experience, but through the eyes of God, and you see yourself as a saint, and you see yourself as a child and his love begins to spread over you like butter, you'll begin to live a different life. You'll have hope, and the reality of God's love sinks in so deeply that it anchors your soul so that even if you begin to try to walk away, you're there. Even when you try to run away, he's there. Even when you don't want to be held, he holds in the midst of all my writing, in the midst of all my anger, in the midst of all my questions. The only thing that God said the whole time was, son, just come to me. Just come. In the midst of all the difficulties of life, that's the only thing that God says. I don't know why he allows some things. I don't know why some things happen, but I can tell you that through it all, he just says, come daughter, come son, come. Just let me hold you. Just rest in my arms. Is anybody getting this this morning? Because I want you to understand the love of God. Then in the midst of it all, he just says home it's not too good to be true it's the greatest truth that there is that God's love is unfailing it is trustworthy it is true it is our strength our rock the last thing I'll tell you we have a difficulty in receiving God's love said, for many of us we have these moments of getting it But we stop letting God remind us of it. We stop letting God remind us of it. How many of you saw the signs when you walked in this morning? You saw the signs with love and we put all these scriptures because we wanted you to get it. We want you to understand the love of God that we can't fathom. We don't know. And wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be easy if every morning when you woke up and you went to work and you walked in the office, we had somebody with a blue shirt on sitting there with a sign that says, God is, God is love. Or if you walked out of the Walmart and you just chewed somebody out and, and, and you gave somebody the finger trying to get a parking place and you got out of your car and you turned around and there was somebody with a blue sign that said, we love God because he loved us. And everywhere you went, this would be a little creepy, but when you woke up in the morning, somebody was standing over you with a sign. Just a reminder of the love of God. Wouldn't that be awesome? And yet, I would tell you, we've got something so much greater than a person in a blue shirt with one verse. We've got an entire letter that God's written to us to remind us of His love, to remind us of His grace, to remind us of who He is, and to remind us of who we are in His love. That His love is not able to be separated from us. And in Christ, we have been adopted as His children and nothing can take us out of the family. And we know, we all know this, that, that love's not like a trampoline, that He was able to just propel us into sin and just to do whatever we want to do. But it is a net that when we do stumble and we do fall, it catches us and we fall into His grace. But I wonder how many people are consistently being reminded of the love of God. And I want to tell you, this isn't just something that, that, that I'm preaching. It's something that I have to live. I can tell you that I struggle with the same type of thing. I don't preach good enough. If I don't get done by 1215, it ain't going to happen. They're not pleased with me. If somebody gets mad sometimes we feel like this hamster that's just running on this wheel trying to earn it trying to do enough we have to be reminded of the love of god when we were in colorado a few weeks ago we were at a renewal center and i'd written down a bunch of scriptures that the lord had been speaking to my heart that week and one of the last days we were there the guy we were talking to out there this renewal and and, and just uh training center He said, I want you to take those verses and I want you to write a letter as if God were writing it to you. He said, every day of your life from this point on, I want you to read that letter and I want you to understand that it is God writing to you. It's not the words of a man. It is the word of God. And I want you to see yourself the way God has written this letter to you. And I want you to live from this. No longer are you going to be defined by what your experience says, but you're going to be defined by the truth of who God is and this is what it says this is the letter that the Lord wrote to me it says trust in the truth capital T and not what your experience says I've called you to preach my gospel and to lead my church You're competent and able because I've created, equipped, and purposed you for this task. I want you to see yourself as I see you. I delight in you and there's no condemnation for you. You are my child and I love you. No matter what anyone else says, you are okay because I've said you are okay. Now be strong and courageous, standing firm on these truths. Live out of grace and love by both giving it and receiving it preach boldly and lead courageously because I am with you in this and you will finish this race well. You are my son with whom I am well pleased. Rely on and live in my love. Every one of those sentences came straight out of scripture. Every one of those sentences came straight from God's word, the letter that he wrote to us. And I know in my heart that this is God's letter to me. And I want you to realize the same thing that god loves you period what we like to do is put a but on the end of that sentence there is no but god loves you and when we begin to live in and rely on that love trusting that his truth is the truth and understanding that our experience cannot trump that truth our lives begin to be different our hearts begin to change we begin to find a true identity as sons and daughters of the King of the universe. That's my prayer for you. Some of you are tired. Some of you have been running. How exhausting is it to feel like every moment of every day, not only do you have to please everyone around you, but you have to please the God of the universe, an impossible task. And today you need to rest in His love. You need to just come to a place where you realize God is saying, just Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Just come. All of you who've been telling guilt and condemnation, just come. All of you who thought I could never be healed completely, the core of my being, just come. And that's the invitation today: that you just come, come to God into the arms of a father that is true that is right that is just that is love every ounce of his being, trust him we're going to sing a song that speaks about this love and as we sing it I want to invite you to come and pray and let these words that we sing sink into your heart we're going to encourage you that you go home and you open the word of God you don't have to be a PhD in theology grasp the love of God out of his word and in the image of Jesus. going to invite you that if you need prayer, and we're going to have prayer people over here outside these doors to my left and your right, we're going to pray for you. But you come, will you come? Will you take a step of faith and come? If you don't know Jesus, we're going to ask you walk out those doors, walk out the doors, take the step of faith, walk into the love of God by simply receiving what he's offered us so freely. Offered it. Is he working in your heart today to simply receive it? As we sing, man, I pray that you respond. I'm praying that God would knock down walls of keeping you from walking in his love. Today we'd walk out of here. The love of God spread like butter all over our hearts. Will you come worship him? To Whatever you need to do, being living in God's love today, whatever you need to lay down, let's do that. I'm going to pray and we'll say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the power of your grace. Thank you, God. You never leave us or forsake us, but you're here with us. God, we give you thanks. Lord, moving our hearts that our burdens would be left here and we'd be lifted in your love.